And we're live with Whack Attack. I'm Curtis. You're? I'm Alan. And tonight we're here with? Dragos Kojokaro. All right. Dragos, you are a custom home builder in the area we live in. Uh, We've known you for closer to a decade now. Not close. Not quite. Not quite. So give us a little bit of the backstory. You're a custom home builder in the area. You know, how did you get into building custom homes? Because a lot of people dream about this. They have Pinterest boards about this. And generally speaking, they want to find somebody who can make this happen for them, and you're the guy that can make it happen. Yes, for them. we are. We are uh, definitely. Um, I uh, started in the home building industry when I was uh, younger, in uh, 1989. Uh, I was a tile contractor by trade. That's how I started in the business. I got my C54 license. I set tile for a long time. Then I started working for various builders. Ended up in executive roles in uh, 2017, kind of wanted to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Partnered up with uh, two friends in the industry, and uh, here we are almost six years later having our company. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, you said a C what? C54. What is that? That's a designation by the state of California that you're a contractor. Like right now, I'm a general contractor, so I'm a B1 license by the state of California. When you're a trade contractor, you're basically in the C class. So you're C54, C27, different gotcha. it's a disciplines. What yeah. you can build. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. what company do you work for now? My company now is called Next Crafted. Uh, we started uh, lunch on March uh, 2017. So there's three of us. I'm one of the principal in the companies and the company. And, um, uh, you know, we started uh, building <clears throat> communities for developers. That's That was our goal. Uh, just help developers get out of their, you know, land that they purchased and they couldn't sell it. Help them build through it and um, get out of it. And then we started doing that. And then um, as I saw the market shifting, all of us saw the market shifting a little bit uh, with the interest rates going up. About three years ago, we kind of shifted slowly into the custom home um, and just love it much more. It's it's completely different animal than building a track home, you know, for a developer. Yeah. And what was your background like before that? Were you at a home builder prior to doing Next Crafted? Yeah, I worked for three major uh, builders here in town. Um, I started in the uh, warranty department, kind of worked my way through purchasing, which is operations, uh, became a field manager, um, general superintendent, which kind of oversees all the construction operation for the company, and then move into the vice president role for uh, two large builders in town. Um, it's very fun, very stressful kind of job. So it's just like, why not do it for myself and enjoy a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, in the area we live in, I just want to clarify, he says town like he's playing it down. That's not the case. You know, we get pretty much everybody from the Bay Area that wants to come and move right where we live. And there's a lot of sprawl going on here. So there's a lot of building that's been going on <clears> here for, you know, a couple of different decades now. Um, and you've been around yeah. a lot of that. Yeah. So you've seen the highs and the lows. Yeah, yeah. De- definitely in the the market it's uh, cyclical. So it's uh, if you're building track home, it's slowing down a little bit for people. If you are like custom like us, uh, we don't really we haven't seen any slowdown. Our clients are still moving forward. Of course, everybody now wants to know the budget, the timing, and everything else. And it's a it's a pretty difficult time in our industry, you know, as far as building homes. Yeah, yeah. So, I, t- I definitely can yeah. can understand that. 
So you've pretty much ran the whole gamut from running your own business to working your way up the food chain at home builders to now running your own gigs. So you have a lot of experience, a lot of background, uh, you know, in, in building homes, different types of homes, whether that's uh, standard track home or custom homes or, uh, you know, doing full-blown remodels, right? So uh, what was your childhood like, you know? How'd you, how'd you get into all this? Yeah, so um, I grew up in uh, Bucharest, Romania, which is uh, East Europe, uh, communist country. Uh, I was pretty fortunate. My parents had a good job, so we didn't. We were missing a lot of stuff uh, as I was growing up, but we had always had food on the table. Mm-hmm. And uh, 1985, actually 1977, I think my parents, when my brother was born, they decided to immigrate to the United States. So they applied for a visa relocation. Um, we're coming from a communist country, so United States were was accepting, especially at uh, the time. Yeah, at the time, yeah. So it was accepting refugees, as they call ourselves. But you have to be sponsored by a, a church at that time or a family member. So it took us from, or it took them. I was just kind of growing up and doing a lot of kid stuff. Uh, it took them from 1977 to 1985 to get approval. And then we came through Rome. We stopped in Rome for uh, about 14 days to kind of just kind of review the life in the United States because you're in Romania and you just believe that, hey, everybody's got everything. Once a year, everybody throws their furniture and clothes out and they start fresh for the new year. So our lifestyle at that time was different, completely different than here. When we went to the store for the first time in the supermarket, I think my mom pretty much had a heart attack because she wanted to buy everything. You know, <laughs> we came from a place where the stores were pretty much empty to a place where you could find fourteen different kinds of flowers, which I didn't even know existed, and eight or sugar, kinds of potatoes. or yes, yeah, yeah. So we yeah, didn't so have you, that. So you grew up in like the era of having to barter and trade with whatever job you had and then wait in line for, you know, hours or days yes. at the supermarket. Yeah. Money wasn't the only currency. Right. Yeah. 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 We, we did that as kids. Uh, you know, our parents would go sit in line uh, for groceries or meat, uh, bread. And then sometimes you wait in line and by the time you get to the front, it's all gone. So what do you do? Do you wait until the next day delivery or you go home and start your line again? So... As uh, kids at the time, we we chose to stay behind and play backgammon and cards and just sit there all night and have a good time with uh, right. all Turn. our other friends, which was really fun. Do you think that's one of the reasons why you're so successful as a home builder around here in the Northern California area is because you just don't ever give up? Yeah, I don't know if that's the case. I think I appreciate things more. Um, I think uh, a lot of times, and I'm I'm guilty of doing this with my kids, they don't appreciate things because we provide them so much. Um, and I think I appreciate more and I enjoy it more, so I work for it a little bit harder than just expecting to come on my lap. Yeah. That's that's the only difference, you know. Yeah, that's actually that's actually a really good point. Yeah, what yeah. you what do you what you bring for us? Oh, I I brought over some bourbon from our uh, office bar here, Old Elk, and I haven't had it in a while, so I thought maybe it's a Let's good crack it uh, open. Let's do it. Yeah, Let's crack it Let's open. do it. Well, yeah, Dragos, it's it's awesome to have you on, man. Um, uh, obviously, 
you know, we've known you for quite some time, uh, been involved in some of the local projects around here. Um, you know, I, I think for the folks who are listening today, you know, we want to talk about, you know, what's the process of building a custom home? You know, what does that look like? And, uh, you know, for those people who are out there who are either aspiring or have thought about this, you know, hey, when you know, the kids move out, maybe we'll be empty nesters, we'll go build the place we retire. You know, what does that custom home building process look like from start to finish? Well, um, it's, again, depending on the contractor that you deal with. By the way, cheers, guys, and yep. cheers to everybody watching cheers. this. Oh, yeah. And I know I probably sound a little bit like Latka from Taxi. I don't know if you guys, you're too young to remember <laughs> that, but that's probably what I sound like, so cheers. <clears throat> it's okay. You, you might have dated yourself a little bit, but it's all right. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're 18 years old and you're listening to us, you can drink this whiskey in three years, and it will put some hair in your chest. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> common yeah. lies from the common guys. Yeah. Hey, yeah. just kidding. That's yeah. not the case. I think uh, building a house in our market currently, it's, uh, it's very difficult. But if you partner with the right company, I think it's a very successful. What? It's a marriage, basically, between us and our clients. What, what are the, the, the key characteristics of a successful marriage, in your words? Or a unsuccessful marriage. I think a successful marriage and 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 let's not my, get stuck here in the lingo. Yeah, no, no. Successful it's, relationship it's between successful, home builder yeah, and uh, homeowner. Yeah, yeah, it's it's communication, letting the people know what's going on when, either if it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of us we get into the um, random doing stuff and knowing that it's coming up. And sometimes you forget to call your client until two days later, but you have an issue with uh, appliances not being delivered on time or, you know, other products for the house. And I think just communicating and doing what you say you're going to do is the most important thing right. uh, for and, me at this point. And for people who don't really know the difference between just like a normal track home and a custom home, a lot of people that are buying track homes, they're either buying them from the builder as the builder's building them, but they're so turnkey that they can just <laughs> slap them up together really quickly. Or And with the custom homes, there's a lot more that goes into these things. There's a lot more materials involved. There's a lot more customizations involved. There's all of the bells and whistles that you would get on a really nice high-end car, that's essentially what you're doing for a house. You're just not buying a Toyota Corolla. So when it comes to you having to stay on top of your communication with your clients, what are some of these other aspects around building and the materials and helping the client actually get to see the progress and getting through some of the, <laughs> the issues that they're having? Because you know, for them, it might be a trying time, like they have, they're paying two mortgages or something of the sort, or they're living in an apartment temporarily. Like There could be all kinds of these things. So talk to us about your experience with those. Yeah, I, I think <clears throat> starting at the beginning will be um, basically partner up with the, the right company um, and just have that company provide the right um, you know, engineers and architects for the client. Right. Um, creating that foundation and... and basically taking them from the star line to kind of seeing their their goal on a piece of paper, which is, we call it the plans. I think that's, uh, once you go through all that and establish exactly what they want, then you can start putting a specification package together for them. And that's uh, entailed into many, many meetings and many times meeting with your client and going over stuff from selection of tile, drywall, finishes to windows to cabinets to doors and everything else so that 
that whole process, um, I would say it takes us from the time that we get in contact with somebody roughly about six months to get on contract. We are on contract. We're looking at four months to get their plans done and uh, submitted to the city for the approval. And then once it's approved, um, we can build a house anywhere from seven to 12 months, depending how how large the house okay, is. Okay, so this is, for anybody out there who wants to build a custom, it's about a two-year process. I would say about a year and a half if you're building uh, a 10,000-square-foot house. Uh, if you're staying within under 10,000, 9,000-square-foot house, I think you can manage it to get it done in, in a year. And Okay, so let's, let, and that's just the build. Okay, that's, so that's, that's to build and, and run it through okay, the so, but, but, so hold, hold on, on, hold on. Time, time from lead, so from time I contact you to time I actually get my house. <laughs> I'm sorry, let me correct that. From the beginning to yeah. the end, from the time that we first make our contact, this about two years process. You're right. Correct. Yeah. Now the actual build process, once you've done all the legwork the first half of the year, you've vetted the relationship with the client, the client's vetted you, you guys decide to engage in a home marriage, as you like to say. You go through the architectural phase where you can actually see something tangible, tangible that you yeah. can get your hands yeah. on and actually look at and yeah. verify. Like you're not going to be able to physically touch the house. Yeah. Once you're at that point, you said under t- uh, under about ten thousand square feet. I mean, area depending, obviously, less yeah. than a year. And over that, it starts to add up a little bit more because you're Correct. building more. Yeah. Okay. So let's yeah. talk about this process a little bit more. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who are uh, aspiring to build a custom home, right? Uh, but obviously you have to have the land to do so. Correct. So is there a case where clients come to you and you guys help source land or is the expectation that clients will have land available? Like lead us into that we, a little bit. We do them both. So we have, uh, you know, we're all licensed uh, real estate agents so we can source land for our clients. But uh, mostly most of our clients that we've been dealing with for the last uh, three years they already owned the land previously. Uh, they came to us and we helped them um, just basically design the plans and move forward. But uh, the process starts, you know, on the location and finding the piece of land. You know, unless you're paying cash for it, you can move forward. But sometimes you have to purchase the land, wait until the land is paid off before you start your construction process so you can basically qualify for the construction loan. Okay, so that's actually a really good point to to bring up here. So the process of, you know, you guys building a custom home, there's a lot of uniqueness in how the financing is done. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So yeah. obviously if somebody has cash, there's no barriers. But if somebody's trying to finance this, what are some of the barriers that you guys have ran into? Well, I think right now in this market is very difficult. The banks have uh, very stringent regulations when they give you money for uh, construction build. And they want your land to be paid off basically before they give you that. There are very few companies out there that... Uh, provide both money to purchase the land and the construction loan. So it's uh, it's best if you have the land, it's pay for it. Right. You get better rates, more options in the market for companies to provide that. Really? So because it's not like you could have a loan out for land. Like you could own land. Let's say you, know, you bought it for $300,000. You owe $150,000 on it. A bank won't even give you a construction loan right now to... I think it's dependent case by case. You know, if some people have a lot of assets, uh, like a lot of rental properties and stuff like they that, the bank... They collateralize it. Yeah. 
yeah. the banks will give you that. But if it's somebody that uh, doesn't have the assets and this is their first house that they want to build, it's going to be the, a little bit more difficult. Is this because of the game of, of actual leverage? So they're not going to give you a construction loan because the construction itself really isn't worth anything. The land's worth anything. Once the construction's finished, then technically it's worth something. But if there's a lien holder on the land, right, the, the lien holder on the land would technically get the title if you defaulted. Is that the way that works? Yeah, basically. But I don't think, you know, it's my personal opinion that I don't think the banks consider the land as an asset. Okay. Yeah, because there's really, you can turn around and sell it to somebody else, but only so few people in the market are looking just to buy a piece really of land. Really interested in land. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That yeah. makes a lot more sense. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a very high risk asset correct. for them. Correct. Yes. So they're, they're looking at you coming to them with the land already paid off, and then they'll give you the construction loan. So, I, so realistically speaking, mm -hmm. let's say you know you got a, a household, you got two incomes that are making a decent amount of money, right? Yeah. Um, really, the build process by the time they get in contact with you to actually build a home, that that could be anywhere from a year to two years. But more specifically speaking, this is a pretty long term project to consider because. You have to buy the land, and then in your case, you're in the best scenario when that land is paid off. You know, so if you're looking at it in that perspective, it could take people anywhere from five to ten years to buy land it, and pay it off. It's a ten year process to get the property where you can actually reach out to him to start to become. Yeah, a so it's it, about it's a twelve year cycle, dependent on the individual. Right. Um, yeah, obviously, it's, they it's assuming they can't yeah. just pay that. Yeah, exactly. If if you have ex some excess capital and you're like, hey, I want to buy some land because yeah. eventually I like to build a house here. It's good to know that if you're if if you're not if you're if you're wealthy but you're not like ridiculously wealthy and you have a loan on some of these things, you're probably a lead time of somewhere between five to twelve years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's a it's a cumbersome process, you know, and I don't wanna kinda walk away from any jobs, but you deal with clients that it's best to advise them to go find a home that's already built to buy it because it's cheaper for them in the long run. Okay, Especially okay, so hold they, on, hold on. Let's touch on that. Expand on that more. So expand on it more. So you have a limitation on income and limitations on payments um, and overall what you can afford basically to buy. So if we were to build a house today in our market is anywhere from 275 to 350 on up depending on the amenities that you put so in there. You're house. talking about a square price foot. Per a square square foot. Price per square yep. foot, yes. Yeah. Price per square foot. And you can probably just go pick up a home from a builder that it's already completed for a lot less than what you can build one by the land and everything Because else. the builders spread out the risk for the banks because Correct. they have you yeah. know, 20, 30, 40, 100, yeah. 200, 300 properties, not one. Yeah, and they build 78 lots at, at one time. You know, obviously the volume gives them a better price on, on yeah. purchasing power. So you got better purchasing power, you sell for less and so forth. Custom builds are are the premium aspect. Custom of, builds are the premium. It's it, People build their houses to enjoy. They want a certain aspect of their house to look like. And let's be honest, this team impressed their friends, most of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's... No, no that's, it's, it's what yeah. it is. I, I don't think there... I don't think you probably come across many like truly humble people. In your with what you're doing? No, no, it's uh, it's uh, they're, 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 they're there's nice some people. of them. They're, they're, nice they're all very nice. Yeah. yeah, everybody that I deal with, they're great. You guys are awesome. 
But uh, yeah, no, they're they're very nice people, but their understanding and expectations sometimes doesn't match, and it's hard to explain to somebody that's a doctor that you know what I cannot give you your appliances now because Sub Zero is a year and a half out before I can get it delivered. You know, because they don't have that concept. They don't understand that. It's, I have money. I want to buy it. I want it now. You know, it's yeah, like almost. Yeah, money's no object. Yeah. You know, I put it in my hand. Put it Amazon. In my hand now to deliver it now. <laughs> Two <know>? days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, you know, I love the Ronnie Chang stand-up special. On oh, Netflix. yeah, I do. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> the one from 2019. That, yeah. was, that was great. Put it in my hand. Put it in there now. <laughs> yeah. Amazon now. Amazon yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Custom so. home now. Custom yeah. home now. I want yeah. it now. Yeah. Yes. Well, so that's a, I mean, that's. Uh, a very very good points, right? And we don't obviously don't want to discourage anybody who's you know looking to build a home, right? Want to chime in after you? Huh? Um, you know, there's a couple I think very unique ways to do this. First thing that you can do is obviously you can go buy a, a land that's got a house on it, right? And you can go build. You can either knock that down and go yeah. build a new one, right? And that's going to be a much easier yeah. way to probably finance it. Um, you know, there's probably different ways to do some creative financing there. Uh, or buy a uh, land that's big enough that's got a house on it. Say it's five acres, right? And yeah. that community can split into two and a half acre parcels. Yeah. Right. Split the split the lot into two and a half acre parcels. For build an on the second for an ADU. Right. Yeah. Build on the second parcel, right, and then wipe out the other house or sell it off, whatever. Dep- so, depending on jurisdictions, so, they have limitations yeah. on. On, on what you can do, too, depending yeah. on where you live. Yeah. yeah, you got to check with your your locality yeah. to understand what the laws and regulations oh, absolutely. are. Um, to that point, that's also why you get a lot. There's a lot of people out there who they say, hey, I like the bones of, of a house, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to literally gut it and redo it. So do you also service some of those people? Because those jobs, while you're not doing as much of the legwork, there's a lot of work there. Yeah, there is there is a lot of work in remodel. The only problem with remodel right now, it's uh, the lack of manpower, you know, so qualify, qualify qualified individuals in trades, yep. that they, they want to build a single house on Sacramento somewhere that's only 1,300 square foot and they have to do electrical, you know, because they rather go work for a builder that's got 10 houses in front of them and they make less money on uh, per house than they would for us. But it's the volume that keeps their guys busy, cash flow. With us, you know, they come in and one day if the house is small enough, they're done, they're out, they're gone, you know. Yeah. So it's hard to to keep the the manpower in our side. So that's what we're struggling with a lot in in the you know custom room right now. And yeah. and you know I think that's an interesting point to talk about because Alan and I are are younger than you are, uh, maybe not as wise, but we we went through college. I'm sorry, high school when they were trying to put everybody on the you must go to college track. And Alan's my our dad. He's a general contractor, and. He would take us out of school. My mom was also a teacher. And she, my mom said, hey, as long as their grades are good, you can do this. So he would take us out of school, and he would make us go to work with him on like a random Wednesday or Friday. And if we wanted a new baseball bat or something, he'd say, okay, this is what I'm going to pay you per hour, and you have to get this many hours to get a new baseball bat. Yeah. And so him and I would like go move bags of concrete. My dad would, he would buy the light ones just so we can come and work with him <laughs> when we're yeah. like fourth grade. Yeah. So most people don't understand that they took a lot of the people that might actually go into the trades away from our generation. So I think you guys are actually seeing the fallout of that. And I'm hoping that for the younger generations, for the people that realize maybe, hey, school isn't necessarily the thing for me, there's a lot of money to be made working with your hands. I know, and you know, yeah. 
a lot of really successful people that did not go to college. Yeah. I mean, the path is hard. Let's let's not deny that yeah. one. It requires work. Yeah, <clears throat> it is work. But you can make a good amount of money. I mean, yeah. I mean, d- and our older brother is yeah. is, a, is a framing contractor, right? A carpenter. Yeah. Dad's a general contractor, right? A brother's not just a carpenter. I mean, he owns multiple framing companies. I mean, you've seen this stuff. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, yeah. They build so, houses on trailers yeah. and lift them up with cranes and yeah. you know, they put them in place. I mean, and wild. It, and there was yeah. a point where I called him. He was he was what did I say? He's the framing circus. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? There's yeah. a period of, he had three setups across the United States. And he had such a big Instagram following and, and big in the industry, right? Not big yeah. like Kim Kardashian big. And he doesn't have a butt that nice either. But, <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at he had he had three setups, and yeah. there were people that needed framers, and they would fly him out to, to where he was at. He yeah. would pick up his closest rig, drive it to where they were at, and he would build the house. Yeah. Martha's Vineyard, Cape yeah. Cod, ha- Cape Cod, the Hamptons, yeah. Big Sky in Montana. Yeah, right. If, he did know, he big did, time places. He yeah. did track stuff. He did some some commercial stuff, but then he did some customs. And I mean, on his Instagram, I I laugh because yeah. my older brother, he is really smart when he wants to apply himself. Yeah. And I, you know, he was a senior in high school and I was a sophomore, and he had the same math class as I did. Yeah. And I was like, man, you're smart. Why don't you apply yourself? He's like, ah, you know, he couldn't yeah. give me a straight answer. But now I'm like, yeah, look at you over here. Yeah. <laughs> this no, is easy uh, stuff. It's yeah. that's that's a good subject to talk about. Everybody going to college and and making sure they're well educated. Um, the home building industry provides a lot of money to you if you work hard. Obviously, you got to work with your money. Uh, I'm I'm a example of that. I went to school for a brief time. I didn't like it. I quit. Then I went to a program to become a mechanic for eighteen months. When I finish, I did that for a little bit. I realized I don't want to have my hands greasy all day long. Nothing against mechanics, so though, you because mortar? we need them. So I picked tile. You yes, picked I picked tile, <laughs> exactly. And the reason I picked tile is because my mom's cousin was doing tile work, and I work with him, and I really like working with my hands. And it's like, I want to do this. So I worked for a company. I went to the... Uh, trade school union contractor and I went through their apprenticeship program and eventually I decided to open my own business but currently if you go to any school in town they push the kids to go to college 100% yeah it is such a crock of shit too because I mean again we did the whole go to college A to G program play sports and college blah 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 I mean it's two and a half years of listening to you know people who have nonsense. been teaching nonsense yeah. their whole life and have not done anything practical besides discuss theory, you know. So it's two and a half years of wasted time, in my opinion. It was eighteen months of bullshit. You yeah, could, in theory, go do like a like a like a global citizen program or something where you travel around the world and you go do stuff and help people, and you would get more practical life experience than going to college. And then the last year and a half of college. Is basically where you learn all the things you need to know, right? For your skill sets. For yeah. your skill sets. Yeah, and so absolutely. you could, in theory, get a degree in one and a half years. And now in our industry, like the joke is uh, you can just teach yourself online, edX, yeah. Coursera, all, like programming, all that fun stuff. But the, the irony of the whole fucking situation is with artificial intelligence and machine learning and everything that's come out that we've talked about on the show, guess what the safest job to freaking have is? Trades. A non 
white collar job because guess what all the idiot white collar people did we documented everything about how our job works and then we trained this ai and machine learning model to go and on do all it. the information on the yeah. internet which is basically how our job works how much information is out there on the internet how to be a home builder not a lot None except for on youtube yeah, yeah. so, so the but, home reno vision guy on here's YouTube, my point we'll post a link he's got great stuff so yeah. uh you know, the, the backstory that most people don't know, Al and I both work on our homes. Yeah. I wasn't stupid enough to lay 2,000 square feet of tile in my house because you I, I knew somebody. that. That's I, smart. And, yeah. and, and yeah. you helped me out yeah. with that, so thank yeah. you again. Yeah. <laughs> but I did rip out all the floors. Yeah. You know, I refinished the garage. I completely annihilated my backyard, yeah. which I should probably, you know, go get my landscape license. Yeah. But, I mean, I did a lot of – I've done a lot of stuff in my house. Alan's done some of it. He's laid floors on yeah. his house. Shout there. out Producer Scott. Producer Scott had his own landscaping company for a while. Yes. Yeah, Scott actually helped me with my back hair. Yeah. Uh, but it's one of those things where it's a very useful skill to have. And, you know, I'll never forget my wife. I think it was two or three years ago. My parents were over and she just looks at my dad and she goes, thank you for teaching your son how to be a man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and my dad funny. just smiled. Yeah. He's like, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. That is funny. So but yeah. we're right there with you, yeah. you know, uh, but the irony is. You know, it's actually one of the safest things now to to be in the trade. You got to obviously, like you said, have a work ethic. But there's, you know, we've digressed cycles. and we've we've yeah. gone down yeah. the point. So we we got to this from talking about the issue with remodels yeah. that the trades largely having to find somebody or companies who will be able to work with you yeah. as a sub. You don't have enough volume for them. you don't have enough volume. Correct. Okay. So you know, getting back to the custom home building side of things is what are some of the other challenges that you guys are facing right now? Um, I think just trades is probably one of our largest issue that we have qualified people to do the work. And then secondly is product. It's product is starting to come back, but we have that was major the, issues. That was with a COVID delivery. thing, right? That was a COVID thing. Yeah. Factories will shut down for two weeks because somebody coughed and, <laughs> you know. Um, Some, something they, happened yeah. somewhere. In California, exactly. we had some stuff that predated COVID with all the fires here basically annihilating part of the timber supply. Correct. Yeah. That's a whole nother mess. But the rest of the United States started to feel it when COVID hit. So. Not that we were primed for it, but it's actually been happening in California quite a bit longer for about five years, not just three, especially with lumber, because you can't do anything else if you don't have lumber. That's it's correct. It's foundation, yeah, then lumber to it, frame up. A couple of years ago, well, a year and a half ago, lumber was at the highest I have seen it since I've been in the industry. So our older brother, Framer, yeah, Al and I talked to him fairly frequently, triple, his wood cost tripled oh, yeah. to build a house. yeah. So what people, and I think you'll attest to this and you'll talk about it, when they lowered the interest rates during COVID, they actually saved the housing market because what people didn't realize is the cost of materials. No, I disagree with that. No, 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 no. Listen to what I'm saying. They caused- The cost of materials- No, 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 no. I disagree 100%. You don't, you, I didn't even finish my statement. Well, I'm a twin. I can know what you're thinking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh I disagree. The 0% interest is what caused them to be able to charge the prices they couldn't that have they sold, were charging. Hold on, no, no, they couldn't have sold the houses for a profit. That would have been a bigger problem. It, there is no, there, fundamentally, okay, unless you're trying to move, which is the problem if you can't get out of your house, a $600,000 home with a percentage rate in the twos and the current percentage rates, you're saying buying power, I think, is low fours. Oh, yeah. So what Absolutely. I'm saying is it allowed the home builders to still make their margin on their track homes, which, Some. as I understand yeah. it, 
Margins on building track homes, there's not a lot. Maybe 5 to 10%, 12% max? I think probably 11.5% they are trying to achieve. Some builders, they have uh, projects that they have you right. know, losers. But so, so let's, let's so be honest here, though. On a five hundred. Five hundred thousand dollar house, it's fifty and grand, and you're trying to negotiate twenty grand. That's like almost half of the builder's yeah. profit. So they're yeah. going to protect that nicely, and yeah. and that doesn't account for the rise in interest rates that have happened recently, and the cost of materials still being high. So there was a big squeeze from a bunch of different directions on those track home builders actually trying to sell. Homes. Yeah, but I also think, Curtis, too, the low interest rates are what made the money so abundantly available, <clears throat> which then led to the opportunity to do price gouging and uh, material shortages and everything else. I'm whether, not, I'm on, not, I'm on, not worried on. about those things. But whether there was actually material shortages or not, all of a sudden, like, you know, it's not like their cost to produce these things went up. They just uh, said, oh, there's, them, a, they there's a significant no, they, no, they, demand. They did. They did. No, your, cost, your labor costs went up and your material costs went up. This is what I was saying. Yeah, and fuel cost delivery and regulations and everything else that you couple with. In my, in my personal opinion is that the 0% interest put so much money out there with all the with all the COVID relief money that they put, EIDL, all that nonsense, where it just sort of exacerbated the, the problem. Well, well, that's a part Possibly, of it. But yeah. That's a part of it. But what I was saying was with the homeboats, like especially in the area we live in, could you imagine if their lumber costs tripled and the interest rates went up and the, the human capital cost to build these things also went up? The cost to actually yeah. build the home is now $550,000. With a 6% interest, that's a hypothetical, right? No, but it's a 2% interest. So these things yeah. jumped 100000 but the interest rate went down. So what I'm saying is it was an equalizer. Yeah, and Curtis is right. There was a point where every purchasing agent in town did nothing but watch the lumber market to see what happened, and they locked in phase releases at a time, and sometimes they pay ahead for the product that they needed just to lock in that price. So the builders actually suffer quite a bit, you know, during that when the lumber was high. So, um, but with the lumber highs, there were other issues that they run into. Windows, you know, was a a big problem. Then garage doors, then appliances, dishwashers. You couldn't get dishwashers. Romex wire tripled. Romex increased. Yeah. PEX. Yeah. Yeah. And they're talking right now increases on drywall. And steel, you know, and trade contractors, when they give you a bid for a job today, it's for 30, 90 days max. Wait, so you're telling me that the price that people are paying for homes is directly correlated to who they vote for? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is not a political show, but yes, absolutely. You, hey, Alan, you know what? You were you were 0 for 1 the last five minutes. You were now 1 for 1, baby. <laughs> 1 for 2. 1 for 2. Uh, yeah, yeah, 1 for 2. Yeah. Yeah. But I also... You know, uh, looking at this process, I mean, we're just talking about this loosely. Um, the custom home building side sounds like it could be a real pain in the ass. I mean, has it always been this much of a pain in the ass? I couldn't tell you, you know, past three years ago. I'm sure that everybody dealt with their issues, but um, it's not really a pain in the ass. It's very demanding. So as long as you put the time into it and you don't take more than you can handle You'll be fine. You'll do great on it. It's you, fun. The people are fun to deal with. They have money. They know what they want. You so, just have you, to source all their products and you gotta the you gotta have the connections and the abilities to yeah, produce for yeah. them. And if you keep your head above water by not doing too much, right? You 
you, you're you ha- very you successful. have to have a good pipeline from start to finish yeah. that's leads in that's your ability to actually successfully deliver on the projects actually have the architects that are going to meet their needs that they like have the ability to actually produce the house produce it on time be very transparent with them throughout the process there's going to be things that come up uh, there's problems all we kinds all make of mistakes yeah, yeah we're humans and we make mistakes mm-hmm. as long as you recover quickly mm-hmm. And you recover in a way that they still love you at the end of the mistake. Then it's well, I think, you know that's a good point. When you, that's yeah. a good point. Hold on here, Curtis. I think you nailed something down here. Really important. If somebody's looking to be a homeowner on the custom home building side, what is the mentality as a builder you would want your client to check into? Because it seems like this is a long-term relationship and them having a solid mindset going into this, understanding what goes on and what your responsibilities are. This isn't a long-term relationship yeah. and this isn't a long-distance relationship, baby. This is a marriage. It, it is. is. <laughs> it is a marriage, So yeah. what is, like, the best clients, what type of mindset do they have that sets them apart from the other clients who are maybe tough to deal with? I think the clients that understand and they built before they're easier to work with than the first-time builders. Okay. Because so people who have experience with how the build people, process works. Yeah. Because yeah. if you don't have experience, I can set your expectations until I'm blue in the face, and I can give you pages of this is what's happening next. Here's your roadmap. But if you don't understand that process, it's just like me reading how to program my computer. I don't know that. Yeah. How to program your phone. I don't know that either. I call my kids for it. And ask <laughs> them, how do I do this? You know? The, so. the funny thing that most people don't also realize is that, you know, Larry, Curly, and Mo run the Three Stooges Electrical, and one of the Stooges doesn't decide to show up for work one day because that's some of the people in the industry, and they're a day behind now, but your inspection was supposed to be yesterday, but now it's got to get bumped to two weeks because that's their first availability. That type of stuff happens... I'm not going to say frequently, but I'd say that that those are the situations that you probably get faced with on almost every job. Yeah, and my favorite line from my trade partners lately is, uh, I cannot come to your job because we had COVID in our office and nobody's working. And it's like, even the people in the field, they've been in contact with your office, you know. Well, yeah, they're sick or the whole crew is out sick, you know, because they work sometimes in crews when you frame Mm -hmm. or you do drywall. And they don't show because they don't. You they know, got a job somebody was sick, but yeah, I, you know, you like to think that that's not the case, but that's definitely the case. Yeah, we're getting invaded here. By <laughs> Man, I'm not sure what is going on here. Yeah, sorry guys, we uh, you you probably can't see it, flies. but we have we have some fruit flies here that have been yeah. you know, incredibly annoying. I yeah. think they're turning into whiskey flies. That's probably shoe fly. Don't yeah. bother me. Yeah. They like the elk. They're probably yeah, exactly. all around the elk's ass. You know. <laughs> 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 no, nah, that elk is dead, baby. It's uh, in the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, well, I mean, that's so you said that the, the the best client is somebody who has really built it before. But if you're working with uh, somebody who's a first timer, right? I think there's a lot of people who are aspiring first time custom home owners. You know, what is the best mindset for them to check into to be successful? I think the best mindset is to be open um, to changes and expect the unexpected. Because I think if people are, you know, going in knowing that I'll, at the end, this is the product that I'm going to get. But throughout the, the process as I'm driving down this road, it's gonna, there are going to be a couple issues here and there. So I, th- I think as long as they understand that there will be some issues, then 
it's going to be easy process. Okay. So what I hear you really saying here is that if you're a, a, a couple who's mm-hmm. wanting to build a custom home, you have to have a solid vision with what you're aiming to do, right? But you guys have to be very, um, uh, you, have, you have to be kind of fluid with dealing with change as things come up. So for example, they might have this really specific vision for what they want in the kitchen, but what they want requires maybe something structural that they didn't expect. Correct. You, you know, open it, you realize you have to deal with it at that point. Right. So you and, just got engineered. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So what are some ways that you feel like these first-time home uh, custom homeowners uh, can get past this and understand some of the challenges? Well, let's start at the beginning. I think to be going through a successful process before you jump in with somebody because your friend Bobby recommended him or her to build your house, I think you should vet couple contractors. You should talk to them, sit down with people, and make sure that personalities match. Obviously, not all of our personalities match. So you have a client that you can get along with really good, but a client that Maybe not so good because you cannot come to a conclusion, but your friend that's a contractor, they hit it out of the ballpark. Yep. So I think uh, interviewing three contractors and hopefully have some expectations that we like to have meetings with our clients. So we have biweekly meetings with our clients and we just go over the schedule. I send them a video from time to time, let them know, hey, happy Friday. Today's Friday. This is what's happening at your house so they can kind of see it. You can over-communicate. That's a new segment for you, Build Out Fridays. Yeah, yeah. You can over-communicate sometimes, um, and they'll still miss some things because everybody's busy. They have their life. Just as a contractor, you cannot take it personal. You just get back to and explain what the situation was, and you move on to the next process. So uh, realistically, as the home builder, you are like... Everything that people dislike about real estate agents, you have to deal with for <laughs> two years. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you're in contract for like 30, yeah. 45 days not max four in weeks. California, not right? Not four weeks, yeah. And you're, by the time you're done, you know, purchasing the house, you're like, I don't want to talk to my agent anymore. Like, I'm so done with this, yeah. you know. real. They're, they're called realtards for a reason. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just Some think of them are good. I'm shout one out of them. Shout yeah. out to yeah. the good ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you got to do that for a year to two years. Absolutely, yeah. Right. And yeah. so that's what's really important about it. So now now let's talk about the finance side of this, okay? Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. You you, you said, hey, Carson, I want to say something. Okay, and, Con- uh, continue. Go ahead. Yeah, I want to go, go back down that rabbit hole. Yeah. So for the folks out there, the couples that are listening, and, and I'm just going to use like traditional mm-hmm. nuclear style yeah. setups here. If you're the female of the household... Your vision is the most important. You need to be flexible on, on the timeline. And if you're the male in the household, and let's just say you're providing the capital for this, you need to understand that you probably need to have a delta of backup reserve cash of something to the order of like 5 to 20% just in case stuff happens. Yeah. and uh, It's odd. And it's almost like he is a twin tapped yeah. in my brain because I yeah. was like, I want to talk about the finance side yeah. of this. How much do you need to it, deal with this change? Yeah. Not, not only that if you're the male and you do the financing, you got to have less clothes because they seem to, every male 
every of our clients, <laughs> they lose their closet somehow, or their closets get smaller, <laughs> or they get allocated to this little tiny corner in the closet. So guys, so. make sure you have enough space for your shit, and make sure your garage is big enough. And whatever she wants in the kitchen, you just kind of, you know, let her have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'll let you know, it's called a big island in yeah. open space. Yeah. So, 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 so uh, the one last question I wanted to ask you while we were on that topic. Well, we, we didn't, we didn't answer though. Hold you on. You said you, you lose your closet, but Curtis is basically saying, how much of a buffer should you really have in your budget to deal with the change that comes up? Shit that. Just shit I, I, I would say we have a contingency that we put in our budgets of about uh, 3 to 7%. I would say as a client, you should have 10 to 15% in the back of your mind just for market changes, situational stuff, things that you see that you might want to incorporate in your house. You're creating, that, that you you're creating for it. Yeah. a version one, and yeah. my philosophy till I die is version ones are fucking hard. Yeah. It's it's difficult to build a house because you walk through it and you look Shout at it. Shout out to it this podcast, version yeah. one, baby. Yeah. 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 Version ones are hard, yeah. man. You, version twos are way easy. Yeah, you look yeah. at you look at things and you see it a certain way one day, and then you walk by the next day. You don't like it anymore, and you know Come you on. you cannot get over the way it looks. So you got to change it. Okay, yeah. so here's always been like my thoughts on how I approach because my wife and I are aspiring uh, uh, custom home owners, mm -hmm. right? You know, we've bought a couple houses. Every house we've bought, we've lived in. They've been total, you know, pieces of crap. Um, remodel, move on. We remodeled, yeah. did it all ourselves. Boom, move on. Um, at some point, we want to build a custom home, right? But our philosophy has been like, we want to skip out on all the fancy stuff that people put into their custom homes. And we want to focus solely on the functional aspects of the house because we figured, A, why pay an exorbitant amount for something that we're not even sure we're going to like or it's going to look good? But instead, if we give it the bones that we think we would like... In five to eight years, we're going to remodel it anyway, you know. So the thought process for us was, is how <laughs> Do you is have that any a clients like this guy mm -hmm. who say, "I'm going to remodel my custom home. You just built me in five to eight years." Yeah, yeah. you do. Yeah, some do. Yeah. Uh, this is my yeah. point, right? So that floor is fine. I'm going to change it in about three years. What what okay. what is your what is your <laughs> idea yeah. on if you are a first time custom home owner? Focusing more on functionality versus style? Helen, that's a very hard question for me to answer because I think it's personal. You know, like if I build my custom home, I always tease my wife and my kids. It's going to be about 3,200 square foot single bedroom home. <laughs> that way no kids come back and stay overnight, right? right? But that's not the case. I think you focus on things that you do on a daily basis. What do you like to do? You know, you like surround sound. You like music to come on when you come home. Do you care if you have a dining room for 12 people sitting there that you're going to use once a year? Probably not, you know? No, yeah. but here in California, man, dude, the outdoor barbecue yeah, with the, the covered area and the pool and that's the resort the most style popular, backyard. Yeah. Dude, give me a standard track home on the inside and I'll add stuff to it. But the California back, backyard, yeah. baby. But hold yeah. on. Continue. Continue, Dragos. So uh, that's what I would focus. I'd always focus on things that I like to do. Yeah, I want a big shower. I want a big bedroom. I want a large TV on my wall. I want to fall asleep watching TV maybe one night. Okay, so this is what I mean about functional. Mm -hmm. I 
and not to sort of inject myself into this conversation, but too late. One of my goals is to uh, grow our consulting firm and sell that, mm-hmm. and then I want to get into custom home building, but not custom home building like you're doing. I want to be that person who is a serial custom home builder for myself. And what I've talked with my wife about is I was like, I just want to focus solely on the functional aspects of living. So for example, you ready for this? The laundry room should be, have some type of secret door access to my walk-in closet so I can do all the laundry in there. And there should be an island in my walk-in closet so I can do all of the laundry and, and be, so able you to want a mud room. be able to put it away, right? But then you think about it like this. What does that mean for proximity to the kids' rooms, right? Where does that need to be in the design to your master closet, right? And maybe you use your master closet as like a sound buffer between your bedroom and the kids' bedroom somehow, some way. Okay, so that's just one area, right? The second thing is, I always think about it like this. Do you know how much of a pain in the ass it is to put groceries in the house all the time? So my thought process is the kitchen should be nice and big. You should have plenty of counter space when you initially walk (laughs) in to put the groceries down. But it should be in very close proximity to the garage door that you have to enter the house, right? And then you think about it like this. You want to have all the entertaining space as far away from the bedrooms as possible because you don't want to wake up anybody else who's, A, trying to sleep or if you're trying to do some entertaining. So when I think about functionality... I think about layout and pieces like that. Yeah. And then I think about like slap the mid-grade floors, slap the mid-grade baseboard, slap the mid-grade cabinetry. But that's me and my approach. So it's it's almost like a highly functional semi-custom home. I just imagine Alan going into his home and just slapping the floor and slapping the cabinets and slapping the baseboard. He's like, slap mid-grade, slap mid-grade. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's how people look when they build their houses, exactly like you said. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, uh, we're building one right now that the laundry room is next to the master and the master closet gives you access into the laundry room. It's got a big island right in the center, just what you're describing. The garage is on the other side of the house, but for different reasons, the layout yeah. of the lot. So there's ways you can do functionality but at some point, you're going to run out of space to put that house in your lot. Yeah. You know, because the, you have to start with the land first. And yeah. then you have to use the land in the best way possible based on what you do and don't like. I So what is so the best a, type so, of lot then for people? Like, so, in your opinion, what is the best type of lot people can buy to maximize their options that they'll have to build their house? Well, every jurisdiction got a lot coverage that they allow you to put so much house on that lot. So it's translated. So every place trans- you live. Yeah, every place you leave. If you're in a community that have regular 7,500 square foot lots or let's say size, then only so much of that lot you can take it with the house. So obviously if it's only 7,500 square foot, your lot size you cannot do a single story. It's going to have to be stacked because if you do a single story the way you're describing it, you're going to be corner to corner of that lot cover with the house. Right. You know, so I think for what you're looking for in that situation, maybe you're looking in a place that's a little bit more rural like Loomis in our area or places that you have an acre, two acres, three and a half acres that you can build a house, eventually put an ADU yeah, you need, you next need, you to it. Yeah, you need one to two units. Yeah, one to two need, acres minimum. You need the yeah. space uh, for what you want to do. 
We're building currently a house in Folsom, and it's, I think, a little bit under 4,000 square feet on a small lot with the pool in the backyard, but it's a three-story house, you know. And for those of you who don't know, Folsom is at the base of the foothills of the Sierra Nevada Mountains as you go up the backside to Tahoe in the greater Sacramento area. Yeah, so it's it's beautiful house, but as a custom home, you know, in your 20s and 30s is great. When you hit your 40s and 50s and 60s, are you thinking? You don't want to climb three flights of stairs. Do I want to go no. three flights? Or it, do I want to put an elevator in my house? <laughs> yeah, know? no, th- so, th- there's a lot of things to consider yeah. if you're going to build a custom home, especially because you were saying, hey, I want to build a custom and then potentially sell it for more than you paid to get into it and then build another one. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, I just like projects. Yeah. You know, yeah. so do it, live in it for four or five years, enjoy it, and then go, what will we do different? Okay. Yeah. Let's go do for, that. For me, it's it's not so much the projects, it's more the process. That's yeah. why I'm that's why I can never turn it off in my brain. Yeah. I, it's because I love the process of making things better. It's whatever I get into, yeah. there is no half ass. Yeah. So Curtis always just, uses his full ass. Yeah. Gluteus okay. Maximus. Yeah. <laughs> to the max. <laughs> okay. So kind of going back into the realm of what you were talking about with the actual usability of the land that you have mm-hmm. kind of going into the track home side of things why do they allow some of these developers to build these track homes with so little usable space i mean you basically you can barely fit a full-size car in the driveway you literally have no backyard and there's a five feet difference between you and your neighbor's house it's uh, it very high density, high density, various codes, and they have to meet every jurisdiction's got to meet a plan to have so many houses their, that they build their in their housing community. Plan. Their housing plan is it called a housing plan or is it called something else? I read I the have city of Roseville. No idea, last year. to be honest with you. I think every jurisdiction may call it a little bit different, yeah, yeah. but that's that's why you're allowed to build those, and sometimes developer they try to you know, use the land to the best of its ability. So sometimes you might, yeah, Yeah. you might create a, a six pack thick court that you have really no driveways. You have to park in the garage. It's a CCNR rule that you have to park in the garage. Therefore you don't need a driveway. Yeah. So, so we're kind of talking about some of the other parts of home building, which I think may be a good segue unless you have some more custom questions. There's been a lot of chatter in, in just in general in the United States. People are talking about affordable housing. We live out here in California. Um, I'm of the firm belief that it's a myth because I've been around you long enough to know some of these details. I've also been around some people in the industry, um, that you're, you're partners as well, that they've talked about some of these things. And I think it would be important for people to know and understand what actually goes into building a home from... On the track side, not necessarily the custom side, but the custom side is partially related because the same things you do to build a custom, you're going to do to build a track home from from the, you know, the city's permitting, the fees, the inspections, all of that stuff. You want to talk about that process a little bit? I would love to. And again, this is my opinion. Yeah. Yes, I do think that affordability, you know, affordable housing, it's a myth in California. And the reason that I think so is because the land is very expensive to purchase it, and the fees are outrageous. Okay, okay. So, so what, fees. what are Hold the on. fees? Yes. What are the fees? Whose fees? What fees? So the fees you pay your planning department fees for the, to city, the city the planning city department? planning or the county. Whatever. Okay, so the city's got a money grab. The here. city's got some 
money well, what to about it the because county? they do inspections. It's all combined into yeah. one. Okay. And then you pay fire fees, school fees, and any other fees that's they're associated with jurisdiction. Some may have more than others, some yeah. less. But in general, you're looking anywhere from sixty-five to a hundred thousand dollars before you drop a piece of lumber on that lot. Okay, so, so hold per on, hold on, hold per on. house, per, per house. house. Yeah. The so, average so so we live in Roseville, California. This podcast is being shot in Roseville, California. Yeah. Roseville is the s- number it's number 1 or number 2 most traveled to city single direction one, with U-Hauls. one way one way travels from U-Haul ending in Roseville. Yes. Yeah. So this is like one of the craziest growing areas. I think the median house price here is like 500 and something thousand dollars. Yeah. You're telling me I think. Right. 20% <laughs> of the cost of a home is due to the money grabs from the local cities, counties, et cetera, state, because they have all their fees that they charge. You know, I think you're a little bit more aggressive when you say money grabs because I don't know if they're money grabs. They're not. They're the fees that they've been implemented, and they have to, you know, the local area they have to give to the county the county's got to give to the state so it's a uphill ladder that everybody's got to pay to play basically right but you pay for example in the city of Folsom i think the school fees they're $10.75 or 73 cents per square foot of your house so if you build a $10,000 10,000 square grand. foot house 10,000 square foot house is yeah, 100 grand exactly and school fees. Now mind they have you, brand you, new you're, schools. You're in fifty the city years old and you're yeah. retiring. Correct. And you, you don't, don't have, have kids. kids to go to school. Yeah. You the school's been paid for, and the lottery's been funding the schools since I came here in the United States in 1985. I think. So you said I'm incorrect in calling it a money grab. Well, no, I I say now that's that a little bit it, aggressive. It, it's a little you, bit aggressive. It, yeah, it's a little bit aggressive. Because there are yeah. probably some good places like the inspections. They are. Yeah, right. The then, inspections are good. That you want your street lights to work. You want your streets to be functional. Yeah. You want your services to be in place. You want your landscaping. I want to pick up that call and dial nine one one if I have a problem. I want somebody to come. People take to the, my house. People take that for granted. Yeah, man, go to a foreign country and try to get help. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's you know it, the some of the fees are warranted, but others they're not. Um, my wife and I are in the process of looking for a lot to buy a house. I'm a home builder. I live in a in a JMC house, which I love, John Moyer, which is one of the uh, builders here in town, and we cannot find a lot under four hundred thousand. So the lot is four hundred thousand. The permit fees, let's say, rounded to a hundred thousand. I'm in half a million dollars before I even put a piece of grass or a piece of wood on that lot. Before you even drive your truck to build a single thing, yeah, half a million. Dollars. Yeah, and and keep in mind now, if you want to finance the house, which most people have to, yeah, you have to have five hundred thousand dollars in cash. To do this. Yeah, possibly. I don't. I think everybody. There, there's the ways. No, but, but, I, but I'm saying you just you said at the start of this podcast. You oh have yeah, to have the yeah, land you do. Paid off. Yeah, you yeah. do. You're you're correct. Yeah, you gotta have the land paid off. Yeah, yeah. So that for people out there, it's a you know fifty to a hundred thousand dollars depending on your home, where you live, and the size of your home. Yeah. Just for the home builder to start building it, then we already know the home builders they shoot they try to shoot for 12% like you said they're not making 20 30 40% on these houses that's something else that a lot of other people need yeah. to understand and know so 
the cost to actually build the home, your hundred grand, let's just say it's four hundred thousand dollars on top of the hundred grand to build the home, and they're trying to make let's just for sake of math say it's ten percent. They're selling that house for five hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you're complaining that there's no houses in the fours. Yeah. It costs $400,000 to build the home, $100,000 in fees, and the home builder has to make something in there. Yeah. Otherwise, so, we won't have any new homes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then it, you really want to talk about a homeless problem. <laughs> We're not building yeah. anything. We're even in but more problems. But in our area, eventually, you know, from from Main, uh, Main Street all the way to 99. Highway 99. Highway 99. That's out by Sacramento. It's going to be Airport. basically. Houses. Houses. Yeah, because I see it like this, and I think there's a lot of uh, other local incorporated cities that have the same problem broadly across the country. They have overcommitted on their pension funds. And oh, so yeah. they are. We know this to be true because yeah. we had a, a SaaS product for government agencies and we went to conventions and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. We're, and it, we, we got to see the, the behind the doors stuff and it's not pretty. It's yeah. not good. And I, I'm going to throw a, a general anecdata so, number here of like 70% of the cities and counties are not in compliance with state regulations. Yeah. yeah. And so but my point here is <laughs> yeah. I can they're hear. all looking for ways to generate revenue because they have all of these crazy pensions that nobody bothered to use a spreadsheet in 1995 to drag and drop an equation on and see how these would pan out over time. Um, and, And I think that that is a lot of the problems here too that are coming up with quote unquote affordability that a lot of folks don't understand. And then you factor in everything that we just went through with COVID, demand, you know, uh, s- supply chain issues, labor issues with college A to G. I mean, it, so it's so, literally, hold on, it's literally a perfect storm. So, but, you know, the affordability aspect of things, really, what else in your mind sort of leads you to believe that it is a myth of affordability? Well, talk about how, like, the state of California. When you guys build, or based on the, uh, the, the, it's called a housing something. I'm drawing a blank on the actual name, where the city says so many of what has to, gets built um, has to be. Of oh, this we just type. call it an allotment. <laughs> it, it, it's escaping me. Anyway, it doesn't matter. What do they do right now? Because you've told me how some of this stuff works. Where when they want affordable units, the builders got to take a bath on those units. And bath meaning a loss, and then the, who do they pass that loss on to? They they do take some the, some of the builders. They do take a bath, and some jurisdiction have the affordable housing affordability affordability program, mm-hmm. which basically how it works in in various stages is your house you buy it at a set amount, but even if the market increase to forty percent, let's say, or thirty percent, as in California does sometimes. Your house is not going to go. You cannot turn around and sell it. The jurisdiction or the city, the county will tell you how much you can sell your house for. So because they want to keep that into basically affordable for people to purchase the house and move in, first-time buyers and so forth. Okay, so, so that's— Hold, hold no, on, no, stop, hold on. Stop. That's, so one, that's one segment, but mm-hmm. you actually didn't answer my question, which was when the house is first originally built— when the houses are they're built gonna, different gonna, jurisdictions, they ask the builder to provide affordable houses. So the builder's got to take a yeah, loss percentage, on some of the houses yeah. to build the rest of their houses. Correct. 
And who are they passing that loss on to? Well, they pass it on to the people that they're buying houses in that community. I hope we just pissed off 95% of the people out there. Yeah. We probably did. Because, no, that's what's going on. That's why that's why myth, right? You cannot tell from the outside of the house that the house is unaffordable, but you can tell once you walk in. So uh, from the outside, the house has to look the same like the rest of the houses. Inside, you can use solid doors, you know, baseboard, small baseboard, vinyl. They don't care what you do inside the house. As long as you meet the, the code and you pass the final, outside has to look what like What about the HVAC rest. systems? They're the, about the same because that's Title 24. Yeah. So you got to comply what with What is Title 24? This is the energy code that the housing market is controlled or reviewed by. So just trying to get things okay. more efficient. So let's recap as previously. Here. You have fees for local agencies, municipalities, counties, et cetera, because uh, historically they've been have severe obligations with pensions they have to meet, so they need to generate revenue. Uh, we're hypothesizing. Yeah, I'm, I'm hypothesizing, yeah. but in my experience, that's the case. Then you have these government-mandated affordable housing programs where they're new affordable housing programs where basically they're subsidized by everybody else that can afford a house, which generally these people are usually stretching to afford a new house as it is. You came from a socialist communist country. How does that, how does that make you feel? Fantastic, man. I'm here. Well, I'm not I know, there. <laughs> but doesn't that seem like it's going <clears throat> right back like, doesn't that seem like that's digressing to where you came from? Like the government mandating all of these things? Um, yes, it does quite a bit. And, um, you know, it's pretty sad when you look at this stuff because I don't think people truly understand the outcome of what they're doing and what they're, the people that they're voting for and, you know, what's going on currently in our country. But uh, it's pretty tough to sit back and look and people wanting things for doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, and it's it's hard to find people that want it to work. Well, that's essentially yeah. my point. You have all these people who are promised all these pensions where they're making more retired than they were than they were working. Okay, so that's getting money for doing nothing. Yeah. And then to fix that problem... They basically said, we need to go generate, and this is, again, my experience, we need to go generate a bunch more money so we can fulfill that obligation. So what are we going to do? What's a way to generate money? New housing. So what does that cause? That causes a uh, uh, unaffordability crisis. So what do they do to fix that problem? They make the people who are already stretching to afford that pay for the people who can't afford that. That's from true. the people who weren't yeah. willing to do any work who wanted to make more money from it, Affordable housing, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. it's a myth. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's only a myth if Crack you're that. having to pay for everybody else's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Crack that can of worms. Yeah. So I told it, oh no, it came back to me. I almost lost my train of thought. But is it Choo-choo. too is it too late to say that it was derailed with all the stuff that's been going on right now? Is that is that applicable? No, I think the whiskey's <laughs> just been we've been, we've been having some fun. Uh, going yeah, on no, hey, the so like the city of Rockland. Let's take this a step further. You're talking about how the cities need money to operate. The city of Rockland's out of developable land, and they are landlocked by other jurisdictions. Jurisdiction yeah. Are there incorporated them. cities around them on all four sides? What does a city like that have to start doing? Let's let's just hypothesize here. I'm not asking you to give me the right answer, but 
I have no idea. I know that Rockland is, they were talking about expanding some of the housing closer to 65, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that's in the city or out of the city, the incorporated area. Yeah. But they have to, I mean. They have to come up with a new revenue stream. They do. In the they form do. of a TAX or tax. Tax, yeah. And what's that tax going to be? Is it going to be the third gas tax in California? Is it going to be local business tax? They're going to have a higher sales tax. You think about this too. It's like, also, here's the other thing: property taxes. You know, to get back to you mentioned about funny property taxes are supposed to pay for schools. Part of it, yeah. Right. That's the primary. So somebody who's retired, they're paying property taxes on a house that was maybe built in 1960s, 1970s for schools in that area, and they're not even sending any kids to school. So there's a lot of things to consider here when we bring up the notion of affordability, and we also consider uh, the notion of custom home building. But if we're looking at somebody who's maybe has dream, who maybe has dreams of uh, being a custom homeowner, again. Maybe becoming a contractor. Yeah, or go be- for it. Or becoming somebody in the trades and running a business yeah. there. I mean, I think that there's so, a lot of money to be made if you want to yeah. work hard. Yeah, no, you, you, so. got, you got to get your land first. Yeah. Let's not knock that. I mean, if, you, if you're if you somebody that's younger and you want to work with your hands, it's, it's a little rough to get started, but you're not in debt. And if you don't put yourself in debt and you can slowly build up a cash reserve, you trust me, you will be better off in the long run because you only make more money the harder you work and the older you get. It is a... If you... Work hard, and you do the same thing consistently, and you constantly get better. You will make more money. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And our our, our thing with us is people plus process plus platform equals profit. Yeah. And to your point, right? Like you're only as good as the people you have. What's your process? So, like for anybody yeah. who's wanting to build a, a custom home, go find three custom home builders and learn about their processes and make sure. You, as a custom home builder, you're an artist for somebody's idea. Yeah. And you need to interview three artists because if you're trying to go for something contemporary or something pre-trend or something that is unique to you, you got to find the right artist. Yeah. And that's the platform, right? The artists are the platform and it's not profit in this case. It's your home. Yeah. So if you put those three things in order. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's communication. It's, you know, relationship. It's, it's everything put together to deliver that. And it's being open with your client. I think that's very important, you Mm -hmm. know, so let's no. summarize here a little bit. For folks who are looking to go down this journey after listening to this and our, you know, ice cubes rocking around in our whiskey glasses, <laughs> they still are interested in building their custom home. That process that they go down. Let's talk about this at a high level from start to finish. Okay. They have to acquire land. That's the first and foremost. Ideally, you should be able to pay that land off before you start building. Otherwise, you're going to need to do a lot of homework and reach out to a lot of lenders to see if there's lenders willing to work with you. You're going to have to find financing. Yeah. If you don't have that land paid off. Then when they check in to working with somebody like you, they really need to go on a couple first dates, quote unquote. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. To see if the personalities, the work experience, <clears throat> the vision, you know, all that stuff mats up, matches up because it's it's part art, like you said, right? It's managing the emotions of the homeowner. And it's also managing what is the ever-changing aspects of the process of building a custom home. 
Now, let's get into the part where they they finish and they wrap up. Okay, what is important about selecting a custom home builder in the closing and finishing stages of building a custom home? Because there's a lot that has to get across the board to get that final sign-off, to get you the keys. And then also custom homes, unless you pay for it, they don't come with front yards or backyards or fancy things or whatever else. So what's the difference between the good and the great for home builders like yourself that take you through those last closing steps? Again, once you close the house, you're still in in the marriage for another year with that client. Warranty? Uh, Warranty. Uh, And you're with them for 10 years for the structure of the home. So you got to make sure that, you know, your custom builder's been around or you have some type of insurance that covers any issues after year two, let's say, if he's not in in business. What we like to do for our clients, we provide a 210 warranty package for them, which is a national company that basically covers uh, certain aspects of the build. If, let's say, for example, three years from now, I decided to go golf in one of the houses that I... And by the way, Scott could teach you. Scott's yeah, a I can golfer. be a golf pro too, but yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, yeah, you, you have to provide your client a way to repair it. By state of California, you're liable for 10 years for the structure of the house. You got to keep your insurances in place, have your insurances in place, and just make sure you're still around. And if you're not around, what are you going to do? You know, what is your client going to do? So for for people out there that are looking to become a custom home builder, really good contractors, right? People have been in the industry for a little bit. I think if you want to become a contractor and you haven't built a house in, in your area, it's probably best to work for somebody first because it's there's... Uh, there's a lot of aspects of the the industry that you need to learn before you actually build the first house. If you want to build your own house, um, with my knowledge right now, what I would do, I would probably meet with my financial advisor first to see what I can afford. I would try to vet that out. So your bef- wife? Yeah. <laughs> I would vet that out first before I would, uh, I would uh, go out and look for a lot. I would know exactly what I can afford to do and what I cannot afford to do. Because once you start building that house, you have this expectation of, I want to build this at X amount of dollars. But at, through the process, you find that you go to the stores and you find things that you like better than what you envisioned originally. So your cost keeps going up. And if you're not prepared to pay for it, it's it's just disappointment. Once you get to that first couple knows I cannot do that because we don't have the budget for it. You know, you kind of get to the point where you're just really upset and nothing really is going to make you happy until you you get something that you like again so you can snap out of that negative mentality. Right, and that's wow. kind of Alan's point yeah. about let me just get a functional, let me get this house functional because if it's functional for the way I want it, I'm never going to hate it. I could always change things on the inside. Yeah. I don't like to live in a construction zone. I've done it in my life a couple different times, and uh, it's not fun. Shout yeah. out, Dad. But uh, the the process is cool. But for a lot of people who've never been through it, it is it it can be cumbersome. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It's 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 fun. It's exciting for us. It's a uh, it's a matter of pride. You know, you drive by a community that you, you had a part into building, and it makes you feel good. You drive by a custom homes, and you know, you get invited to a 
Christmas party by your client, it's 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 pride. It's really really fun. The finished product. So this is one one of the questions that I wanted to ask you that I didn't share with Alan, so he couldn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like from a a reward perspective in your job when you get to show your clients their completely finished house for the first time? What does that feel like? Amazing. I love to see their smile on their face. You know, some people start actually crying when they see certain things that they didn't see it for a while. Mm-hmm. It's just really fun. It just makes you feel good that you were able to do something to achieve somebody's dream and goals that they were on a piece of paper a year ago, and now it's in the actuality in front of them, and they're looking at it. There's okay. something really cool about that because, like, with what we do for a living, that level of satisfaction I mean, don't get me wrong. There's things that I'm satisfied by, but we usually don't get to experience something like that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of power in moments like those where that's really, that's why you do what you do. Yeah. Because it's a long time coming. It's a lot of headaches. But when you get to, you get to have that one hour of that one day, it's like, oh my goodness gracious. Yeah. It's kind of like playing golf and sucking for the first Seventeen hole in holes, one. and then the eighteenth <laughs> hole, you're parring, and you're going back tomorrow. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, Man, I'm not is, so sure. I like that analogy. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is that is so rewarding. You yeah. describing Curtis's yeah. golf game because <laughs> 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 oh, you know it ain't me, and you know it ain't Scott's golf oh, game. Oh Jesus, Alan, oh, that's yeah. almost as bad as you at the CrossFit gym. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oof, twins. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> well, Drago, it's Alan, been the abs- first time I beat you in a game of golf. That freaking scorecard is coming right <laughs> here, dude. Because yeah. you know it's coming. Yeah. Oh, man. Disclaimer, I don't actually golf. It's been I'm just athletic I don't golf. Yeah. I don't golf. Well, either. Wally's a scratch golfer. Scott's a scratch golfer. I'm surrounded by people I'm an that aspiring pretty scratch damn good golfer, at golf. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's it's Wally Allen and Scott who have all golfed, and then there's Curtis who like went with his grandma. And is just a big muscular dude and yeah. can hit actually fairly decently. But the problem is, is all I have to do is fix my I was slice. waiting for him to just talk himself up a bit more. Who's also really, really good looking, like Derek Zoolander. He did it. It's your left. But Drigos, it's been awesome to to have you on and talk about this process. I think, you know, we've we've really run the gamut of, you know, what people should really be considering uh, when wanting to build a custom home, plus you know, talking about what affordability is and all the other funny things we've done here. Um, you know, in, in in closing thoughts and in closing perspectives, you and your journey so far, you know, with what you've done, you know, working your way up, becoming a custom home builder, looking back on it now, is there anything you would have done differently? I would have probably quit my corporate job a, a while back if I had to do it again. Because I think this is much more rewarding. That's what this although, podcast is about. Although I did, I don't want to take anything for the peop- from the people that I work with because they've been amazing, and I learned. Uh, that's why I love what I'm doing because I learned a lot of stuff from them. But I think if I would have started this maybe 15 years ago, it would have been a different story. I think the positioning would have been a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Because I truly love what I do. I mean, I think it's just awesome to see people happy. It's just you build house, you make your own schedule. Yes, you do work late. Yes, it's stressful. Yes, you have to collect money from your banks. Yes, you have to pay your trades on time. 
but it's very rewarding at the end. You know, you have That's to weather how, you have yeah. to weather the storm and home exactly. And I don't yeah. think a lot of people know that yeah. it's. I'm not going to say it's robbing Peter to pay Paul, but it, it is the cousin of robbing Peter to pay Paul a lot of times in the home building industry because there's a lot of money coming in, but also a lot of money going out, and the timing of that is very, very important. Yeah, and I believe that, you know, I mean, our I think we've been so successful because of the relationships that we have with our trades. I work with some of those guys since 25 years ago, uh, and they do stuff for us. They may not work for other builders, but you know, smaller builders such as myself now, but they, they come and do work for us. And I pride myself making sure that everybody's paid on time. So I'm always very diligent filing the paperwork with the banks and making sure that they get, we get paid so we can pay them and they get paid as soon as we get paid. And it's, that is, it's amazing. That is the w- number one thing I focus on yeah. in Three Ventures is yeah. our people and they always get paid on time. Yeah. And, the, and the reason why is because um, you know, you only really have two things in life, your integrity and your time. Yeah. And if you lose your integrity, you spend all your time trying to get your integrity back. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely right there with you. And I, I think and it, that that's it, a good part for people looking to, uh, you know, who, who are, who are wanting to be a custom homeowner is yeah. integrity is a huge thing to play with this. The story of your builder has to play an important role in what, your selection is you have to have you have to choose somebody who has gone through some level of adversity who is able to tell you their morals and values and and what part of their identity as a business that that plays their relationship with trades that they have and also you know what is important to them about being a home builder? Because at the end of the day, like you said, it, it's very much a marriage. And I think a lot of people will relate with you saying that. Yeah. Initially, it might have sounded a little funny for people who didn't understand the process. But, um, yeah, very, 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 very much involved. So with that said, um, yeah. If you like people, you pay them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you I only mean, have two things in this world, your time and your integrity. Don't mess up your integrity. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the Whack Attack podcast. And become a business owner because that's what life is about. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Just do it right. Not though. everybody can be a business yeah. owner. But, but if you can. But if you can, it's great. Yes. Uh, but not everybody can be. So let's say somebody's in the Northern California area. They've listened to this podcast. Um, they're very interested in wanting to work with you. Where can they find you and reach you, Dragos? Um, the easiest way to get a hold of us is uh, via uh, web uh at next crafted so www.nextcrafted.com okay and they can see our story there read about the partners and see some of the projects that we completed okay so just to recap that's next crafted that's n-e-x-t-c-r-a-c-r-a-f-t-e-d that's dot com dot com uh and then on social media can they follow you on next crafted right at next crafted yeah perfect and you guys have a, uh, I believe, an orange and black logo. Right? Orange and black logo, yeah. And All this right. is also a family-run business. It is. It this, is. This yeah. Is, this is a family. Yeah, Morgan, thing. my kids are here. My partner's kids coming. Your in the adult summertime. kids. Yeah, my yeah. adult kids. Yeah. 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 yeah your adult kids. It's fun, though. It's fun. Your yeah. adult kids. Yeah. yeah. Your adult <laughs> kid daughters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, with yeah. that said, Dragos, it's been an absolute pleasure to have it you. It really know. has been. Thank yeah. you very much. If you ever want to come back on the podcast, holler and let us know. We could talk about many different things under the sun. I think it'd be great to maybe talk about your story coming here yeah. from Romania. 
that would be, be awesome. Cool. Yeah. That'd be awesome one yeah. day to do. Well, thank you guys for having me. I uh, gotta say, I was a little bit nervous at first, but uh, just kind of started to flow. Yeah, yes, sir. So yeah. it's really cool. Thank hey, you very much. Thanks yeah. to the all yeah. yeah. All right, we'll catch you next time on Wacky Tech. See you later. Thanks. Hey.